Well, it's good to uh, be in church with you this evening, and uh, some of you may be wondering, yeah, it is, but who are you? (laughs) And uh, just to review a little bit, we have, in our church is organized, we have five uh, men that uh, are the church leadership, and uh, it's Pastor Mark, and Pastor Dave, and Pastor Doug, and we have Bruce Cook as an elder, and I'm... Somewhere on the screen, uh, Russ Marzoff is one of the elders. Uh, and so Pastor Mark came a couple of, uh, oh, about four or five weeks ago, and uh, he's out in uh, Texas right at the moment ministering to Pastor Chris with our church plant. And uh, Pastor Dave is still recovering from his procedures he's going through. And you can see that... Uh, Pastor Doug is really uh, working uh, quite heavy on VBS, Uh, so uh, I have the pleasure of uh, giving the message this evening. First time for me, uh, and uh, um, look uh, look forward to God's uh, God's word. It's really funny too, you know, when Pastor Mark asked me about this, you know, the verses in one of the verses we're going to get to is, be anxious for nothing. Uh, and uh, I texted him back. I said, you know, I'm getting a little anxious having to teach about being anxious for nothing. And uh, good thing the Lord just takes you through uh, a, a wonderful learning issue. So anyways, um, we are in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And I titled this, Walking After the Spirit. Walking after the Spirit as we move our way down into the, uh, these verses. I broke it up. Uh, uh, well, first off, um, let's, uh, let's first take it to the Lord and, and just as we have a time of uh, just prayer. Father, thank you this evening that we can just come to you and treasure your word. You say your word is above your name and your name is wonderful. And we just thank you for your word and how it would bless us. Bless it to our hearts, Lord. Uh, minister to us as we read and partake of your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, first off, let's read these seven verses and see uh, what, uh, what we have. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Odia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we look at the outline in these verses, uh, I uh, decided to put them out there in four uh, particular groups. Number one, stand firm in the Lord in verse one. 
Number two, live in harmony, verses two and three. Number three, rejoice in verses four and five. And number four, be anxious for nothing in verses six and seven. And we'll probably spend a lot of time on, the, obviously, the last, uh, the last one. <clears throat> but before I get into that, I want to really look at Paul for a minute and just review where he is. We know uh, Paul at this time was in prison. He's writing this from prison. And it gives a lot of impact. This isn't just a, a person that says, hey, uh, do these things and make sure everything goes well for you. He really has skin in the game. And I wanted to take a look at uh, what he's gone through in the past. Remember when Paul was first called to be an apostle, the Lord sent to Ananias to him and said, you know, uh, I'm going to show him how many great things he suffered for my namesake. And just to, to review that for a minute, to get some impact on the things he's writing to us here. And starting in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 24, and I'll read this to you. We read, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers in, from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. And Paul says in here, stand firm in the Lord, live in harmony, rejoice and be anxious for nothing. Wow, what a, <clears throat> what a do as I do uh, attitude that we see with him as he writes these things. So let's take a look. Uh, number one, stand firm in the Lord in verse one. But in verse 1, in word 1, we see the word, therefore. And any time we see this word, therefore, we have to ask what therefore is therefore. And therefore, we're going to back up a couple of verses in chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21 to get the flavor of what the therefore is there. In Philippians, uh, starting in, uh, in verse 20, for our citizenship, is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble estate into the conformity with the body of his glory by the exhortion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, in verse 1, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So what does it mean to stand firm in the Lord? You know, does it mean you, you got your fist grit and your teeth are gritting and your heels are dug in and man, I, I'm going to sweat this out? Not at all. Not at all. It is 
the resolve, the purpose of your heart and the power of God working us that we can stand firm in the Lord. 1 John 4.4 says, You are from God, little children. You have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. It is the power of God in me. I purpose in my heart and I look to God's word for the power to stand firm in me. It's Jesus in me. And in Ephesians 6.11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Continue on in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And I take it, let's look at a couple examples of really men in the Bible that did stand firm, that purposed in their heart to walk with God. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, <clears throat> Daniel says, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine that he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he may not defile himself. The New King James Version, the first part of it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. The decision was already made before he found himself in this situation. He already had purposed in his heart. He didn't make the decision up, oh, well, now I got this, what do I do? He had already purposed in his heart to stand firm. Later, Daniel's buddies did the same thing when the king told them to bow to his idol or die in the furnace. You want to know what a castle feels like? You better bow. And he said in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16, and this is a familiar story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. That is, bowing down. In verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. These three didn't know the outcome yet. At this point, they didn't know where it was going, what God's going to do. Yet they purposed in their heart they would not worship the golden image. They made the decision before they were in the midst of the trial, just like Daniel did, purposed in their heart. In the New Living Translation of Job 31.1, and this is Job speaking, he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look on lust at a young woman. Job is saying it's already settled. This is before the young one walks by. I have already settled it. I have purposed in my heart. I'm not going to, to go there and do this. You can see the difference between, oh, I think about something versus I've purposed it in my heart. I don't have to think about it. It's already settled. Stand firm in the Lord. But, but, if you want the formula for failure, 
Try standing in your own strength. Try standing in your good works. Try standing in your church attendance. Try standing helping grandma across the street. Not going to work. It will eventually fail you every time it's tried. We stand firm in the Lord is our strength. Before we move on out of this verse, I just want to call your attention to the love which Paul expresses to the Philippian church in this verse. And notice these things in verse 1. He says, my beloved brother whom I long to see. He calls him my joy. He calls him my crown, my beloved. How precious are these words of encouragement and endearment and love from a brother who is in prison and who has suffered immensely. I tell you what, if that was me, I'd be typing the letter, get me out of here. And we just see the love as Paul, what's he doing? Standing firm in the Lord. Number two, live in harmony, verses two and three. Verses two again, I urge Odia and I urge Sintichi to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So we have a division here between two believing women in the church. And someone once wrote, I saw this poem, I can't remember, I, got, I think I got this from McGee, it says, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with the saints we know now, that's another story. When we do, some people are just obstinate and it's difficult to, to uh, live in harmony, but remember that we are called to faith, hope, and love, not faith, hope, and a club. And as we can go along, Paul counsels these two women, though, within the Philippian church to come together, to reconcile, to live in harmony, to unify in the cause of the gospel. We don't really know what the dispute is, uh, was, but Paul got wind of it. You know, it's kind of funny when you look at some of the commentaries. So we don't know what the dispute is, but the commentary guys, they just really want to know. I mean, oh, well, then they'll start, then maybe it was because of this, and maybe, you know, we really don't know. I thought that was interesting as they try to dig into this. <clears throat> but it's not know what the dispute was, but Paul got wind of it, and here <clears throat> in verse 3, he is asking the person called the true companion, the person he's kind of writing this to, you true companion, he's asking that person to mediate between them. And it should be noted that Paul is not saying that you should strip yourself of your own personality. We have a set of instructions to live under, which is the word of God. That's what we hold fast to. It should always be our goal to have reconciliation, to restore fellowship. Sometimes, you know, as elders, we have to deal with some folks that, that just don't want to reconcile, and it's not a pleasant thing. But within our power, we should always try to reconcile. If we don't reconcile with fellow believers, we really have forgotten who the enemy really is. Jesus tells us, John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
one for another. If we like look back in this letter to chapter 2, verse 3, Paul commands us to regard one another as more important than yourselves. Jesus said in Luke 99:23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. I have this verse plattered on my wall in my office. It's just, and I bring, even in this morning I got up and that's my first thought is, Lord, I just want to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow you. And Luke has this, this is in all the Gospels, but Luke actually uh, adds the word daily. And I love that word, daily. I'm denying myself, picking up my cross and following you. And we see what Paul is practicing, what he preaches with regards to living in harmony. He had a sharp disagreement with Barnabas. And we're looking at uh, Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. And Paul's on his secondary uh, journey. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of God. And see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark along with him. So, but Paul said, nah, I don't want to take him along. He deserted us in Pamphylia and he had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated one from another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. But later, later we see Paul writing in 2 Timothy, and Paul is speaking here, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. Reconciliation, forgiveness, living in harmony. So number one, stand firm in the Lord. Second, Live in harmony. Number three, rejoice in verses four and five. Four, let's read these again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Notice it doesn't say rejoice in your trials or circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord. Big, big difference. And this statement is very emphatic. We are to rejoice. It means to find your joy in God. And this isn't the first time Paul's mentioned it. He's repeating himself in Philippians 2.18. He tells us to rejoice in this book. In Philippians 3.1, we are told to rejoice. It says... Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. A number of weeks ago, Pastor Dave spoke on this passage. If you remember, if you hear at that time, he gave a long list of reasons why do we rejoice, and over and over. Here's a good quote. He says, if we are not rejoicing in the Lord, it's because we are not looking at Jesus. Pastor Dave, I love that. He wrote that down as, as he's giving out the message. 
But you have to admit, it is easy to get depressed these days. It doesn't take much for us to get sad. It's easy to find things that get us down. You know, I could rejoice that I got a bonus, but something in the house breaks, and I waste all my bonus on fixing something. I could rejoice that it's a good day, but then it turns out to be a bad day. I could rejoice I got a new car, but then it gets scratched or dented. Here is the thing that will never fail you, and that is finding our joy in Jesus. If you want to have a constant life of rejoicing, rejoice in the Lord because he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's unchangeable. He's unmovable. He's our rock. Rejoice in the Lord. He is our strength. And in verse 5 where it says, let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Instead of displaying great frustration and impatience with their circumstances, the Philippians should let their gentleness be evident to all. How could they do this? Or how could we do this? Verse 5 goes on to say, because the Lord is near. I like that. The Lord is near. He promised he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus said that when he went away that he would send the comforter, the paracletus, the one that comes alongside. Jesus said in John 14, 16, and 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. I love that. That is the spirit of truth from whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Number one, stand firm in the Lord. Two, live in harmony. And three, rejoice. Now notice, we can't get to number four until we went through one through three. You know, the, number four, be anxious for nothing. If you're not standing firm in the Lord. If you're not living in harmony, and if you're not rejoicing, you're going to be anxious. That's a tough one, because we have anxiousness just almost every day. Things come up. So we need, and that's why I titled the message, Walking After the Spirit. We need to walk after the Lord, getting these things. And the Lord has such this precious promise to not be anxious for nothing. Verse 6 and 7 be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So studying this, I decided, I, I went to Google and I looked up anxiety and uh, quote, how to get rid of anxiety, just a Google search. And the first one that came up, I was just uh, quite surprised. And, and it was an ad, actually. In the, and it says, quote, anxiety cure. Number one voted anxiety cure. And the subtitle below that said, how thousands got peace in one day. Woo, I have to check that out. Click on that. And it was a pill. 
they're offering peace in a pill. I go, well, that's probably not good. Uh, uh, so I decided to check another website that says, it says with anxiety, it's a normal part of life to experience occasional anxiety, but you may experience anxiety that is persistent, seemingly uncontrollable, overwhelming, and, and if, it's an, if it's an excess, irrational dread of everyday situations, it can be disabling. When anxiety interferes with daily activities, you may have anxiety disorder, this website went along. I said, wow, that probably doesn't sound good. Uh, so I looked in their website, and what is the world's treatment for this? One, go find a therapist. Two, get in support groups. Okay, and my percentage of fixing this problem, it's unknown. And in our verses here, what's the biblical treatment when I feel anxiety rise? Pray, be thankful, make my request and be known to God. What's my result? Peace of God. Peace of God. Promises of God. It says be anxious for nothing. Jesus also spoke of being anxious and worrying. In Matthew 6.34, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told his disciples, he was giving a sermon not to worry about your life and what you shall eat and what you drink and what you shall wear. He said, consider the birds, he said. They neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom. They have no barn. Have you ever seen a bird sweat? Have you ever gone out and seen a bird get anxious? I got this, I, I found this uh, a poem I thought was really uh, fitting. It's called Overheard in an Orchard by Elizabeth Cheney. She is uh, a, a writer back in the 1800s. And she wrote this, I thought it was really good. Said to the robin, to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Say, man, of all the creatures on the earth that ought to not worry or being anxious, it is the children of God who are bought with a price, who have a relationship with the living God. He is our father. No bird was created in the image of God. Birds don't have a relationship. They have a creator. We shouldn't be anxious because we have a personal relationship with our Father. There are a lot of things that can come and get us down in our lives, and they can make us anxious. There's so many things that can go wrong. I mean, you can get time anxious. Gosh, I got 10 things to do and time to do five of them. Well, we don't want to allow the anxiousness of this world to overtake us and control us because it can destroy us. Someone once said that being anxious and worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. 
But the Lord knows we will get anxious. And so thank the Lord he puts it in his word. He knows we'll get anxious and he gives us instructions on what to do when we get anxious. We are to give ourselves to prayer and thanksgiving as it says. Verse 6 again. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the word supplication is really a seeking, a diligent seeking, an asking and treating to God. He really, really wants you to come to him. What's the result? The peace of God. The peace of God replaces anxiety in the life of the prayerful believer. Everything we do should, again, be done by prayer. Prayer's primary purpose here is to change me, not my circumstances. When I become anxious, I want to be comforted, so I go to the Lord in prayer. The result will be peace that passes understanding. When you go to God and make a request, thank Him. Thank Him now. Don't wait for the answer. And when you make a request, you don't have to set off the big things and the small things. I take all things to Him in prayer. All things. Because He's a God that does indeed love us. In verse 7, it tells us that it's beyond the ability of human understanding to fully comprehend how God's peace can guard the hearts, emotions, and personality and our minds of the anxiety-ridden people. Apparently, this is just another beautiful and comforting instance of God's all-powerful, sovereign care for his obedient children. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Precious promises. Any of you remember the praise song years ago that uh, uh, they came out, that what they did, they actually made a, a lot of music directly from the word of God. And, and this is one of the songs directly from Psalm 61.2. It says, from the ends of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. You ever heart get overwhelmed in anxiety? Here's an example of what King David did when he was feeling anxiety. He was talking to himself in this verse. He was basically talking himself back from the ledge, so to speak. In Psalms 42.5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. I mean, remember, this is David talking to himself. When I was a kid, I grew up with the King James and uh, the New King James later, and I memorized it as, that why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. In the uh, New Rust translation here, it says, chill, dude, God has this. And God, paraphrase slightly. So, some final words. How can I do these things? How can I stand firm in the Lord, live in harmony, rejoice 
be anxious for nothing. How can I do it? Is that really possible? John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, 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 abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, the secret of the strength, abiding in the Lord. I am walking after the Spirit. I am setting my mind on things above. I'm abiding in Him. And when I do, next week, Pastor Mark will get into this too, pretty deep. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I've learned that this last four weeks. Gosh, uh, it's the first time I've been in front of folks like this. You, you want to... Uh, Learn the word uh, as the Lord pushes you into these circumstances. But my prayer to, for us is that it will be a natural reflex to take things to God in prayer. For instance, if you touch a hot stove, what's your natural reflex? Pull it back. Natural reflex. My prayer for us is that when anxiety comes, your natural reflex is don't, oh man, I can't believe it. I don't know this is going wrong. And now I'm getting all worked. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Make it a natural reflex. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for this problem. Lord, you're working it out. I thank you that you're, take your request and make it a natural reflex to take my anxieties to prayer. You know, Martha said to, uh, to Jesus, remember when uh, Jesus came to town and and uh, her brother's dead. And, and she said to her, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. True, true. But if he would have been there, they never would have saw this fabulous miracle of God raising a man who's been dead for four days. And the same thing, when our hearts get anxiety, what do we do? Prayer, thanksgiving. We're seeking the Lord. And ultimately, we're going to see the peace of God. So I began to think, you know, as I went through this number of weeks, especially I had some problems at work that can cause anxiety to raise in your heart. I just had such a joy of taking this to the Lord in prayer. Yes, dear ones, don't give a stick to the devil to beat you with, because he will. Take your anxieties to the Lord. Take your problems to the Lord. God never commands us to do something that he does not give you the power to do. And unfortunately, if you're not a believer, none of this is for you. None of these precious promises. This is for the people of God and those things. And, and it's so comforting as we can encourage one another to the good works of, of God and what he's doing. Anyways, Let's, let's pray and uh, ask the Lord to go as we're going to have communion here in just a bit. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing as we go out this week and put our trust and our hope and our desire in you, Lord, as anxiety builds up, which it will build up. Lord, let us take our problems to you and see your mighty hand work. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.